Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone out there in podcast land. Just a quick warning before we get things going in this week's episode of the Two Sharp Reds. There was a issue with the sounds this week. So don't be surprised if it sounds a little bit different to normal, but we've fixed it for the next episode. So not to worry, but it's still a cracking episode if I don't mind saying so myself. So enjoy. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, that is absolutely spot on. It's time for another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, and Simon from the Inbetweeners. Simon, how are you going today, mate? Are you talking to me? Sorry, mate. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Oh, I didn't realise. I mean, I just I heard something about Simon and it just didn't... Yeah, you're Simon from the Inbetweeners. Really? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Have you seen Have you seen him before? Um, I have seen well, I have seen the in between us. My kids love it, so I just can't remember Simon. No, sorry. He's the one with the sort of the the Statue of Liberty hair at the top, um, and he. But more, it's not more. It's not based off that. It's the t-shirt. It's a signature look for for Simon. Okay, so who who actually uh, pulls it off better? Oh, you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not a it's not a negative thing. Don't get me wrong. This is one of those stitch-up, you know, intros. It's good. I, it, it, but it is a stitch-up intro, let's be honest. Well, it's a stitch-up I mean, intro because I haven't called you Mark. I yeah, but first, firstly, also because you refer to my hair as the Statue of Liberty. No, I said that he's resembled... Oh, That's would you like me to do it again? No, Welcome back to another episode with uh, myself, Ollie Gill, and Arnold, uh, Mark Schwarzer. Mark, uh, as people might be aware, Mark here on the Two Sharp Reds, our aim is to try a beautiful bottle of the Burgundy Grape and compare it to a player past or present. Uh, now, during this lockdown period, we've been going for different bottles of red, which has resulted in different sort of episodes, really, you know, because we can't kind of compare it to the same one. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to when we can try the same one again. But this week, I've gone for the Carl's Vineyard. It is a... 2016, uh, I mean, it's a Crianza. Have you had a Crianza before? Absolutely. I'm sure you have. I have, yeah. yes. And it's very, very nice, I have to say. Yeah, it looks beautiful. What, what wine have you gone for today? Well, I've gone for a Spanish wine as well, funny enough, because I am going very shortly. I'm going on my holidays uh, to, uh, to south of Spain. So I'm going for a, a Villano. It's a... Uh, um, a Spain, uh, sorry, wine from Spain from the Ribera del Ducio in Spain. Um, it's um, it's a very very nice bottle of wine. It's solid. Um, it has a lot of aging potential, I think. Uh, definitely without a doubt. It's it has like a licorice, black cherries, and red cherries sort of feel mm-hmm. to it. So it's a nice balance between fruit and dryness. I like it. I like it. Well, just as you touched on there, you are going to be spending some time in Spain. I thought you'd just put myself and the listeners at ease that we'll be still 
I'm sure, dabbling in a, in a sharp red during your time abroad. I mean, this is the beautiful thing about where we've found ourselves in this day and age over the last three months is that we've been able to do this and there's actually no real reason to ever see you in person ever again, really, is there? Well, that's what we we're all hoping, wasn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, I've been hoping, you, you've definitely subconsciously been hoping that we don't have to ever cross yeah. paths again in person. Um, no. You, you've mentioned to a few people I've already heard. So I have. Yes. So you thought you'd get away with that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. But I, but no, just if you can just put the listeners' mind, minds to rest, that, that we'll be still sharp reading it. Like, Absolutely. Yes, we will be. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've obviously want to continue until the end of the Premier League season. And then after that, we may take a short break until the resumption of the league. Uh, because we all, let's be honest, we all need a holiday. I don't. I won't be having a break. I'll, I'll just keep going, I would have thought. I'll ask myself some questions. It'll be like a bit of a, a, a monologue to myself. <laughs> One yeah. sharp read. I mean, listen, you've been, you've been known to, to chat to yourself quite frequently. So, you know, Correct. why not record it whilst you're doing it? Uh, the last seven days since we last did a podcast, I'm just trying to think, has anything major happened in the Premier League? Uh, yes. Not much, really. Oh, actually, Let's be honest. not much, but there was that one thing. Uh, Liverpool won the league. Liverpool. I see. I was going to say, no, I was going to say the big thing that happened was Chelsea beat Man City. That was yeah, the that was thing. pretty I big. Mean, that was huge. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, the Liverpool thing, and Arsenal and Arsenal got a win, so it was huge. That actually probably supersedes everything because no <laughs> one could believe that Arsenal could win a game, particularly away from home. Away from home. home. Yeah, yeah. My Southampton's record at home is abysmal. Uh, so yeah. I suppose anyone pretty much goes there and wins. Mm, uh, well, yeah. So well, maybe it's not that big a thing for for Arsenal to win there. But you're right. The biggest thing, of course, yeah. is finally, finally, we find out Liverpool are now crowned 100% the Premier League you know, winners. And, and, that, and that's full-heartedly deserved. Um, and it was only a matter of time before it happened. And uh, you know, I've said it for a while now. I'm, I'm just so grateful that the league has been able to start up for very many, many, many reasons. But also for the fact mm. that Liverpool get to win the title because they thoroughly deserve it. The last 18 months alone, probably two years, they've been... Uh, I mean, if you take over the course of the last two years, they've been by far and above the best team in the Premier League. Obviously, last season, Man City were just a little bit better. Um, and, and I've had that discussion since um, in, the, in this last little week or so about last season, Liverpool, um, how they've been able to do it. I think last season was a turning point for them. I think the fact that they got so close to Manchester City um, and with such a point tally, and it was 96 points. Normally, on any other season, they would have won the se- the league hands down, and like they've done, you know, like they've done this season. Uh, but the, but City were just that little bit better than they were, and I think what that gave them was this incredible amount of self belief that they could push City all the way. They could have an incredible season. Yes, they missed out. However, they've got that in them still to do it again, and they showed they could do it, and they thoroughly deserve it. Do you think that if the league was null and void or it was called off there and then and Liverpool, a little bit like uh, in France, so if Liverpool were still crowned champions but they didn't get to fulfil the rest of the season, they'd clearly be an asterisk against that title win, right? Now, while that won't be the case now because they they were able to fulfil it, do you think we will have an asterisk against the title win? Do you think sort of... For argument's sake, if they don't win again for a number of years and that's their Premier League win, do you reckon a part of us as either media or as fans will think, yeah, they did do it, but it was an asterisk to you? That's yeah, but let's be honest, right? So, yes, there potentially will be an asterisk 
And it'll be an asterisk because they won it in a very unique season. They've won it in a season. They've actually won the Premier League title later than anyone else has. Yeah. Because no one's ever won it in June. But in yeah. fact, they've actually won it sooner than anyone else because they've won it seven games to go. So work that one out. Um, so for me, they were always, they, even if the, get, the season was null and void and they just declared, okay, points per game, blah, 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 Liverpool are champions. There's no argument to me. There was absolutely zero mm. argument to say that they shouldn't have won the title. It's actually what they've done before the break has put them in this incredible position. And it was a formality for them to just go on and win the league. Yes, they, they, you know, yes, they didn't, you know, they, they had to, they beat, they beat Palace on, on midweek and they beat them deservedly and thumped them. And they, they had Chelsea to rely on, not even rely on Chelsea. Chelsea went on to beat Manchester City. So therefore they'd won the league. But it was only one game sooner than, 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 than it would have been. Because there was, there's, yeah. there's, you know, zero doubt in my head that uh, Liverpool would have not won the title. They were always going to win it. All throughout the season as well, you hear the likes of Klopp, who's so good at speaking in the media. You know, that's, his, that's certainly one of his, his strings to his bow. And every time there'd be a big win and City would lose, for example, a journal would ask, do you think you've won it? Or are you on track? And you just shut it down. You know, that's part of his job, right? You know, he, he was really good at that. But it was interesting that after 30 minutes after they had won, Liverpool had posted a video that he narrated that was like, you know, this is for you, blah, blah, blah. And there's absolutely no chance that that was being recorded during their initial celebrations in the hotel, was it? So it's interesting. At what point do you reckon the media department go to Klopp and go, look, mate, you're all but there. Do you mind doing this for us? And do you think he would mind doing that? Or is it all talking when he's in front of the camera and he's saying, you know, we're not even thinking about it because clearly... Yeah, but it's a, it's a mindset, you know, like it's that message you're always sending out to your squad of players, your group of players, your team, you know, we are not winning. We haven't won it yet because mathematically we haven't won it. We, we don't have our hand on the trophy. We've got just about every, every bit of every finger on it, but not the entire both yeah. hands. So we have to take it over the line. So yes, it was only a matter of time. And I believe they thought that it was only a matter of time. For me, there's also no doubt. So it would have been probably in the last week or so that that was narrated. Had it been narrated half an hour, within half an hour of that title being won, oh, it would have been hilarious. So it would have been, man, there's no way in the world he would have been able to. It actually probably would have been funnier. Um, because, oh, um, there's no oh, doubt, but how many beers would he have had by then? Um, and it would have, been, would have been pretty cool to listen to as well. But like, you know what I'm saying, like it, it's hats off to them. And there's no way in the world that anyone can even question the title win. And if anything, people can say what an amazing season Liverpool have had and they thoroughly deserve it to have won it as soon as they have, but as late as they have. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, massive contradiction there, but but it's true. Um, is a credit to this, the amazing season that they've had and we take it back to even 12 months ago, winning the Champions League, uh, sorry, two years ago now, the way that they played last season, how unfortunate they were not to win it then last season. And the big question was, were they able to pick themselves up after last season? The disappointment of finishing second. But like I said earlier on, I think it actually gave them more self-belief to know that, right, mm. we can get there. We, we just have to get there or thereabouts again and we'll win the league. Because there's no way in the world Man City are going to be able to replicate that season. Well, there's less likely. I mean, if anyone's going to be able to do it, Man City are able to do it. Yeah. But as we've seen, they've fallen away. As we've seen, they've had a, a really stop-start season. And, uh, and, you know, they haven't been able to stick with the pace of Liverpool. 
Now, celebrations as well were fantastic, the images that we saw. Now, this is a bit of a hard one because you know how I feel about your decision to not go up to Jamie Vardy's place when Leicester won yes. the league. So you're going to have to try and pretend that you were there, which I'm sure you do every day because you regret it massively. No. But I always, I always feel bad for sides that don't get to celebrate the win. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, they will get their day. They will get, you know, the their um their tunnel or their um what's it called when you've got the you walk through the, the team's uh, guard of honour. Well, they're getting that apparently. Man City apparently going to give them well, a guard of honour. Brilliant. You know, they will get their, their time on the field to celebrate for sure. But what's more fun, do you think? You know, winning it in, you know, if we win today, we've won the league. Or the fact that they can be all together, watch another game, you know, watch oh. that City and Chelsea game and celebrate. Or, uh, or is I there think, no difference? I, I think they both have their, their, their various merits. You know, like winning it on a day and having a packed stadium full of your fans is would be an incredible moment. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like it's like winning a cup competition. It's like winning, you know, winning something on that particular day. You know, that that just confirms that not only not not that you've won it on that day, because you haven't just won it on that day. You've won it because of the entire season. But to actually finally go over the line on that day with the stadium full of your own fans, that would I think is the ultimate. Um, to have won it when you are not playing is still is phenomenal, you know, like like what Leicester did. Obviously, I wasn't there on the day, like you were saying, but, you know, the, the satisfaction, the incredible achievement, and then the next day, and then players, you know, you're turning up, and mm. players have clearly had too much to drink because they've celebrated into the night. Um, training session is pretty much a non-existent one because no one's in really shape to, to train. Yeah. Um, and then that's understandable because you've got to be able to celebrate it. And, and that's the thing with sport. Generally, you don't get a lot of time to enjoy it. And, and that's the disappointing. That's the shame of it all. That's the, you're only as good as your last game and then you go on to the next game and then, you know, you've got to be able to have a point where you can enjoy moments. And for Leicester, you know, we still had two games to play. So we're already crowned. I mean, like, obviously, obviously Liverpool have still seven games to play. The difference being they don't have the fans in the stadium. And that, that's, that's the one bit, I think, is the disappointment for them, you know, ultimately, because you can imagine what it would have been like at Anfield winning that game against Palace 4-0. Then even the night after yeah. the, during that night of Chelsea game, I'm, I'm sure, had we have not had this pandemic, I'm sure that like Liverpool would have done something where all the fans are in the stadium being able to watch the game live in the stadium or something like that. Yeah. Players would have gone there and there would have been scenes. I mean, I'm sure there would have been something like that. It would have been on the bus already in town. You know, there would have been unbelievable mm-hmm. scenes. So unfortunate for them, they haven't quite had that. But listen, they'll take it. It's an incredible achievement. Yeah, you've got to take anything you can get, um, Mark. I couldn't agree more. Um, speaking of, of not having fans in the stadium, it was my first experience since the restart um, in, in terms of attending a live game. I've watched them, all of them, but I went up to Aston Villa to take on Wolverhampton. And have you? I, I know you've worked on games, but have you been... You went to Spurs, didn't you? Yes. For Spurs United. Mate. As you know, it is weird. It was the weirdest day, don't you think? It, it, is, it is weird um, because you're used to going, obviously, a stadium where it's packed. And, and I, I think I said last week is that walking around the concourse uh, of the stadium at Tottenham yeah. Hotspur Stadium is bizarre because there's, there's, like, normally that, that's rammed of people, right? And you're, you're trying to push through and get through and you're in a rush and it takes you a lot longer. Whereas 
you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was in the stadium, the, the, all the lights were off. It was dark. Yeah. And every time you walked along, you know, the, the, the automatic lights would pop on. It was like, it was bizarre. It was, it was like a movie scene almost. Like someone's going to pop out from a corner of it and, you know, with a knife and attack yeah. you. And it was really weird. And then you, I walked pretty much within the internal part of the concourse, almost the entire side of the stadium because the way that the restrictions were in place, the way you entered the stadium and so forth. Um, and then obviously the yeah. noise, you know, the stadium that big, the way it's there designed to try and have the maximum impact also with sound. When it's empty, the noise, you know, people, you hear everything from this, even though we were very high up on the, in the stadium, you know, you could hear the noises, the noise of all the players talking, the, the managers um, and the referee at times, you know, you could hear everything. You could hear the, the, yeah. the striking of the ball. Um, and, and, and that, that's kind of makes it, it gives a different experience. And I've actually enjoyed that aspect of it. You know, as a player, when you're training, when you're doing behind closed door training games on the stadium, which we, you know, you've done on numerous occasions, that's one thing, but to actually sit back up and listen to it and watch it, it's a proper competitive game. It gives you a different, a different view of the game. Absolutely. And I think the, the one you touched on there that resonated the most with me was being able to hear everyone, because I know we've, we've thought about it and you can hear it on TV, you can get a bit of a sense of it, but I'll be honest, when I hear it on TV, I just hear people going, hey, we, 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 we. and you go, I don't even really know what they're saying. But I say, for example, Connor Cody on the weekend, just how much, like that guy didn't shut up the entire 90 minutes. And you just, it gave me a better understanding and appreciation of what makes someone like Connor Cody, for example, who's not, oh, like he's probably not going to start for England, I wouldn't have thought. You know, he's not, he's not a world-class player by any means, but his leadership and direction skills in that position, oh, it was just, it was really impressive. And it was just a... um. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really good chance to to be able to appreciate things, and even you know I went to the toilet and I got to leave my computer, phone, everything plugged in, left it on my seat, went to the toilet, came back, no line, obviously it was brilliant. It was a really cool occasion. Uh, and the other thing that I was I was able to get out of that game was Wolverhampton in particular, and how good they are. I mean, I I love this side. They are extremely fun to watch they are very well rounded but obviously the guy in question at the moment has to be Adama Traore the way that Nuno's been able to utilize him it's like a game of FIFA you know and and I don't know if this is how you would see it and whether or not this is exactly what's going through Nuno's head but I'm assuming that by not starting him and playing him for the last 30 minutes there's nothing I'd want to see less that if I was like an Aston Villa defender and you see Dharma Traore warming up, you know, geez, I've got 30 minutes of this, do I? And it's just unbelievable. Like, he's pace and awareness. And I remember someone saying, Mark, that he, he, he was like um, a learner driver in a Ferrari. You know, he, he had everything. He had the body, but he didn't quite know how to drive himself and use, use every asset in the right way because he's strong, he's, he's technically gifted as well, but he just looks like he's coming together to be one hell of a footballer. Yeah, I mean, listen, he, he's someone that has had always an enormous amount of talent, um, as, as have many, many players in the past and present. And the question has always been, have they been able to uh, develop that talent? Have they been able to utilise it and actually show it on the, on the big stage all the time? You know, he started off at Barcelona, ended up finding his way at Middlesbrough. And at Middlesbrough, we saw glimpses of his ability, but just the inconsistency was too, too great all the time. So 
fast forward now, he's made that move to Wolves. And I was also a little bit surprised when he went to Wolves and I thought, you know what, you know, this kid could go on and do well. Did I think he'd get as well, you know, be as good as he's been? No, not really. Um, I just thought, you know, from also speaking to various people at, at Middlesbrough at the time, he was just one of those players that didn't seem to really either want to take the message on board, wanted to be, become a better player, um, you know, and sort of had a, a, a different kind of attitude on life. But it, it seems like Wolves have just been a perfect fit for him. It just seems like, I mean, let's be honest also, there are far better players he's playing with. That also mm-hmm. makes a big difference. So he's gone from Barcelona, then he steps down to, to the level at Middlesbrough, and now he's back to a club where they have, you know, let's be honest, they're a top six, top seven team in the country, maybe even finish higher this season. You would be brave to bet against them. So there are definitely a lot, a lot of really good players at that, at that club. So he's playing around better players. He's definitely gotten fitter. He's gotten stronger. He's bigger. He's lean. He, he's got everything to, to be that, that, that perfect wing, winger sort of player. Now it's all down to that mental attitude. That's that, uh, you know, the, the way he approaches his everyday life as a footballer. And he seems to be doing that really, really well in the utmost and professional way. The big question is, does he stay at Wolves? Does he move on? There's been a lot of speculation about him potentially going to Liverpool. But you're right. Having him as a player in your squad, that at the moment, obviously, they're looking at him as an as a, as a impact player. And I think that has a lot to do with since the restart after, after the pandemic. For sure. Players' fitness levels, concern about players maybe getting injured. Adama Traore relies so heavily on his physical aspect of the game, the explosiveness. Maybe they're just trying to really ease him in there. And also have that maximum benefit coming on with half an hour to go with, you know, maybe even sometimes at half time, he's going to blow teams out of the water because of his pace, because of his energy, mm. when teams may be a little bit tired and uh, struggling against uh, a player of his quality. They struggle at the start of the game, let alone in the second half yeah. when they are tired, and they've already got so many miles in their legs. Do you think with Wolverhampton in particular, the way that they seem to utilise their bench I get the sense that a player would be... I mean, you would be overly pleased always being on the bench, but it strikes me as they don't use their players as substitutions, but they use them as finishers. You know, you're not just, uh, all right, yeah, you come on because you're injured or he's getting a bit tired, so you come on. They have, like, a a hugely important role because when you look at when they score their goals, it's later on and it just looks like a really healthy place to be because it feels like everyone's knows their role individually. They, 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 there's a part in that squad for everyone. I mean, the big thing was when, they, when, when the, um, you know, the Premier League and also UEFA and that introduced the, the rules of changing it so they could bring in five substitutions after this, this pandemic, that already you know, raised questions. Is that going to benefit the better teams, the bigger squads, the better squads of players? And, and the answer is absolutely yes. Because... Like you see a Wolves who have a, have a pretty big squad, a squad of good players, you know, Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, the, all of the Man City, you know, Man City is probably the best example of it, you know, five substitutions, you know, you're playing against top, top, top class players. If you bring on five top, top class players and they're all fresh legs in the second half, it, it's, of course, it's going to play to your, to your advantage. Wolves have got that advantage over teams. Um, and uh, they're playing it very, very well. Obviously, you have to get tactically right. You still have to be in the game by that stage. You know, you have to pick the right balance in your side. Brendan Rodgers did it a couple of weekends ago when they, when they played at home. I think it was against Southampton. They drew nil-nil. You know, you brought on five players he brought on in the latter stages of the game were the five players he probably would normally start with. 
but he, mm. he tackled. He thought, right, okay, we've played a quite a number of games. We're going to go with a team that I know that I believe will get us in a decent position, maybe even get us in a, in a winning position until I make my substitution. And they're the players that are going to make the biggest, the maximum impact when they come on. Didn't quite work out that way. I mean, they drew the game nil-nil. Um, but teams are looking at different ways to try and get the maximum impact of the, out of those substitutions. And having five substitutions, I think, uh, is, is clearly at an advantage. So during all this period as well, it's, it's been super important to try and find the positives out of every situation. We've established already in a perfect world, we won't ever have to be in person ever again. You know, we've, we've figured out a way to do this podcast, so that's fine. Uh, what's a, do you think a positive in the way? Thank God, I was going to say, thank God you laughed then because you just kept staring at me. I went, don't, I don't like that face. That, that's so uncomfortable. But I was going to say, do you think the positive out of all of this could be the five substitutions? Can you see that sticking around? I oh, see so you're not giving me the other option. Well, what's, what's another option? You, no, the other, you the other tell, option you, you mentioned that we don't have to actually see each other. In person, never again. No, all the five. Yeah, I'm saying in a, are you not giving me a? We might uh, have to. I'm just saying we've figured out that we can do it, so that's a really positive thing that we yeah. don't have to see each other. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, listen. I think the five, uh, the five substitution rule. I, I don't think that's going mean, to. I'm pretty sure it's not going to stay. Uh, I, I think that will that will change uh, back to the the usual three, and uh, I think. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. During this period, I think the five... Listen, it's been a bit different, hasn't it? We've had... The difference is that the fans have not been in the stadium. The five substitutions has mixed things up a little bit. And one would argue that the, the level of, of, of the performance of each team is better being able to make yes. those five substitutions. You could have got players that are, that are fresher. You would like to think. The, the only issue is how much more of an advantage does it give to the likes of the bigger teams, the bigger squads, the better, better quality of squads like the bigger mm. teams have. So is that even more of an advantage to them? I think it is. And I think it, it will go back to, uh, back to three substitutions. But ultimately also, having no fans in the stadium for the like of uh, Sheffield United, Watford, mm. you know, Norwich, all those teams is a huge dis- disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. Half-time drinks here on the Two Shot Reds. Mark, I've got to say my, my car, Les. I, I don't, uh, yeah, car, my car, Vinya, I mean, this is this is fancy stuff. This is four years old, so there's no wonder I can't pronounce anything on it. I mean, this is this is out of my comfort zone, and there's a reason because it's a beautiful bottle of wine. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. How's yours going down? Very nice, mate. You know, the great thing about my bottle of wine as well is it, it just ticks all the boxes. It's it's a it's a pretty reasonably priced wine. I mean, I I know I can get it for a lot cheaper than what I'm seeing at the moment. I, it's it's about a five... What are we talking? Show, me, show, show me in hand. Yeah, it's about £5.50 here in the UK, but it's, it's definitely probably around about €3, Euro, €3.50 Euro, uh, in the... In, in, sorry, in Spain. Um, right. I, 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 love, I love my Spanish wines. I mean, and I, I'm not really... Yeah. I wouldn't even tell... There's not even a type of Spanish wine, whether it's a Crianza or Gran Reserva or anything like that or a Tempranillo. I like all of them. 
it's there's not one of them that I would say. I mean, obviously, there, there are different varieties of each one that you go, oh, actually, I like that less than that one. But I generally like all of them um, a lot. Uh, probably too much, some would say. This is this one's great because this one is, this one actually, you know, you like this as well because it's it's very well structured. And I'm not going to use. I'm going to say it's it's persistent with its taste. Oh, okay. So, so not consistent, persistent. Persistent. I, I like it. Yeah, so it's it's a it really is a it's just a mature forest uh, fruit with notes of vanilla and licorice. So it's a, I've it's got a, a bit of vanilla in mine too. It's a, it's it a nice touch, isn't it? It yeah. is. It is. So I um I really like it. Um. So I'm curious. Um. So you're heading to Spain this week. Yes. What's the What's the Schwarzer budget for a bottle of red in Spain? Are you I mean, you don't go over ten here, really. No, well, I probably over here. I probably don't even go over about six or seven. No, so so I'm assuming holiday marks even tighter. Yeah, I I I try not to go over four euros. No way, four euros. Yeah, because you don't need to. I I don't believe you need to. I mean, listen, unless you're a bit of a wine snob, then probably you will believe that you have to. I actually still think you drink, you have very, very drinkable table wines for under four euros easily. I I, I think the cheapest bowl of red wine that I've ever bought is probably around the two euros, two euros fifty, and it was nice. That was in a bag, wasn't it? Yeah, it should have been, yeah. No, and, 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 and it was nice. You know, like yeah. you wouldn't go, this was amazing, but you go, that's actually really drinkable. That's actually really good value for money. Hey, Mark, great news for some. I mean, I'm not sure who, but uh, the new Premier League ball's been released today. Yes. And yes. I think for for proper nerds, you know, like proper kind of that like to rate kits, home away alternatives, that like to look at new boots, predator style, laces, no laces, ankle going up, all these sort of things. This would be... So far up there, Strasser, because the new 2021 ball, it looks good. I mean, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it? From no, a, I, I, this, not I from an aesthetic perspective. What about from a player? Like, do you think it looks... I mean, it says, what do you reckon? It says that it uh, is supposed to be a more consistent flight. They're trying to reduce the, the amount of... 30% movement. truer. Yeah, yeah. the... the, the, the um, uh, the inconsistency of the flight. From a goalkeeper's perspective, if that is true, I, I'm all for it because I'm like, okay, if you're good enough to get up and over because you the way you strike the ball, that's great. You know, that, that's fantastic. But, but don't, you know, I'll go back to it. 2010 World Cup, the worst ball ever, ever that I've ever, ever come across was the Jebelani. And that was, I reckon, it was probably only 30% true to its mm. to its action the, the the path of which the you know the ball's been struck the way in which the ball's been struck the seventy percent was it just had a blind mind of its own and for a goalkeeper that was a disaster you just didn't, yeah. you didn't know what to do and then you found sometimes you guessed and that's another the one of the worst things you can do as a goalkeeper is guess where the ball's going to go um, yeah and you found yourself so anxious with the ball because you just didn't know was it going to stay true was it going to do this make this movement and I'll revert back to the final of the World Cup. Um, when it was Spain against uh, the Netherlands, and the ball, uh, Spain kicked the ball out because a player was down injured, and it was down. It was running the halfway line. The Netherlands threw the ball back in, and I can't remember who struck it. I don't know if it was uh, Schneider or not, but struck the ball back towards Casillas in goal, and he hit it 
and he hit it quite hard because it was a long distance. The ball bounced in front of Casillas and it, it flew. So the ball did something that it should never have done and it almost actually went over him in the back of the net and he managed to scramble back and flick it behind for a corner. This, is, this was the Netherlands yeah. trying to give him the ball back because they kicked the ball out. They went up and took the corner but then gave the ball back. I think they kicked it straight out for a goal kick because of the way that the flight of the ball went. It was just ridiculous. So I'm all for having true flights of the ball. The more the true the flight is, leave it up to the individual to have brilliance because then you would actually appreciate it even more. If Cristiano Ronaldo mm. can go and strike the ball like he does and the ball would dip and swerve and do all that sort of stuff through natural ability, then fantastic. Then there's even more to admire about. Aesthetically, it's got a bit about it in terms of comparison. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can draw a comparison to the Jublani though. It looks, I'm sure it might not feel like it, but it looks, I don't, it doesn't look heavy in a way. So it surprises me that it's got, they reckon it's got 30% true of flight because I'm looking at it and it looks like where every time you hit the Jublani and you reckon that the one that I would have bought from the short store would have been the same one. Uh, uh, you know, the petrol I mean, stations, the ones you buy the petrol mind. stations, yeah. those plasticky things and the wind would yeah. take it or you hit it and it just yeah. go and float. It, and looks, it looks like that. Uh, this one, no, this one looks a little bit more solid. And it's got all the dimples all over it. It, it, it kind of, it looks, um, it looks a bit bizarre because it's a very different look to to what we've got. And obviously, at the moment, all we see is the the white version. So I don't think I'm pretty sure they won't bring out a purely white version. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see what other design they put on it because that also makes a difference. The flight of the ball, particularly from a, a visual. What, by the color. Yes, no. the goalkeeper. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So. I remember when you go from a white, predominantly white ball with, like I say, the Nike balls, and then they go to the yellow one with the same colouring for the winter, there was always an adjustment yeah. period of maybe a training session or two for a goalkeeper visually to pick up the flight of the ball. Right. So it's like how, is it, could you compare it to saying cricket when someone would say, you know, that they are a red ball cricketer or a yes. white ball cricketer? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Because also you've got to take in consideration the fans and their jerseys, what colour team they are. Say you're at Spurs and the ball is predominantly white, you can lose the ball for, for like split seconds of, 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 a, of a strike, of a pass across because of the fans. The ball gets lost a little bit. So it depends on how much of a colouring it has on the ball. And then obviously when it, when it spins, how much of that do you actually see? Do you see a colour or do you just see, does the white override it all? when it's spinning mm. and then it may get lost in the fans. And in the winter time, when you play with the yellow ball, say you're playing against Norwich, you actually, it's so much more difficult to see the ball. Jeez. Now I'm hearing all the excuses now. It makes a yeah, lot of sense. Yeah, I know. Luckily I never used that as an excuse <laughs> when I considered a bad goal or even a goal. Someone would have both. You can't, oh, you can't no, tell I remember the play. best excuse I've ever heard was we played Liverpool many, many moons ago up at the Riverside and we beat them 1-0. And it was a game where Liverpool dominated the game and then we held on and held on. And then we went up the other end and we scored. And it was, a sh I think it was a free kick initially or a shot from distance. And Vestervelt was in goals for, uh, for Liverpool. And he had hardly anything to do all game. And this was the first proper shot of note to, to on his goal. And he went down and he spilt it. And like it was a simple sort of save. And he spilt it and we followed up and scored. And he blamed afterwards the fact that he was not involved. He was, it was so cold up there and there was a device in the ball. No way. He did. He did. And I was just like, oh, my God, just hold your hand up and say that you messed up. I mean, even if that is correct, I would never use that as an excuse. I just go, you know what? 
I should have saved it. It was a mistake from It'd my... almost be impossible to have ice on it, though, wouldn't it? Surely. Yeah, there was nothing on it. There was nothing on it. No, no, no. And there, there may have been a little bit of sleet on the... Or a little bit of ice sleet, you know, a bit of snow sometimes on the pitch. And and that can be an issue. I've played in... I played in Germany when, when we had that. I mean, I played played here in England as well on the odd occasion where there was snow and it would sleet during the game. And, you know, the ball was a little bit slipperier. You know, and if you weren't yeah. careful, you could drop the ball pretty easily. You just had to be that more focused and that more concentration on, on making sure you got everything behind the ball. Um, but I played in Germany where I've literally played on snow and I play with rubber studs with nails in it. So nails and they're rubber. Right. They're like cork. Oh. And I played yeah. because the pitch was full of snow and you played literally on a white pitch and the lines were, were blue. So what would have happened if you didn't wear those studs? You, just, you would just slide all over the place. I mean, I slid anyway. Yeah. It was hard anyway. And that was the first time I ever yeah. played a game on, on snow, uh, snow and ice. And we lost 3-0 and had a bit of a stinker. Hey, uh, FA Cup over the weekend. Uh, it was weird because the FA Cup is known for being so big for the fans. You know, that's, that's its, would you say that that's its main attraction, not just for the fans, but the, the players and the clubs too recognise that this is a really great opportunity for fans. So it was, it, was, it was rare, but you're now left with four teams in the semi-final uh, in Arsenal, City, Chelsea and Man United. Who, each four of these teams have a reason to win it, to save their season or to justify their, their season. So it's going to make for some really interesting semi-finals. Yeah, I, I feel for, for Newcastle and Sheffield United and Norwich because they lost their home advantage because of no fans. They would have genuinely all had... Good chance to progress had they had fans, yeah. uh, particularly Sheffield United. I think Sheffield United's probably been hurt the most by it. Um, their form has just dropped. I mean, mm. it's just fallen like a lead balloon because of, I think, a big reason. Obviously, the momentum's been halted because of the pandemic, but also the fact is that they haven't had that support, that extra support. I was at the uh, opening game of the season up, at, uh, up in Sheffield, and they, at home, the crowd, the atmosphere, it, it's, it, it won them the game. I mean, they beat, they beat Crystal Palace. And it was a big reason why they won that game. So they missed, the, they missed out massively. I feel, I feel for them. So, and I said it before the game. I said on uh, Saturday morning, I thought that all four away teams would win. Because was, even though they are playing at home, there's no, there's no more advantage for them. Mm. The, the teams with a better squad, better players will win the game. And if anything, if you're talking about um, you know, having four, four of some of well, four of the top sort of six or seven teams in the country in the final, you know, it's a kind of a perfect, or in the, sorry, in the latter stages of the tournament, it's kind of a perfect scenario for the FA Cup. Absolutely. And so I said, uh, mentioning those four teams, if United win, that's only going to Solskjaer's first trophy. If Chelsea win, it would also be uh, Lampard's first trophy, but also probably justifies a few um, decisions in terms of how much money they're spending. So it looks like they're on the right track. If City win, then it, then it sort of justifies their season as not being a total failure. You know, they've, they've walked out of there going, OK, we were beaten by a better Liverpool side, but we were able to do this. And then it goes without saying, if Arsenal can walk away with it, you know, all of a sudden you go into the off-season if you're Mikel Arteta and thinking, OK, geez, we're, you know, that, it didn't end as bad as it possibly could have. So I think we're very lucky that we've got four pretty decent teams. Some could argue one of, one of those teams in that list doesn't deserve to be there. But you get the sense that four big teams that all have a reason to win will make for a really interesting couple semi-finals and then a final. 
All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. Um, Arsenal right, have got me. pretty much fifteen percent chance of winning it. Uh, right, let me jot this down. Fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Manchester City. Wait, when you say winning it, winning the whole thing or, or beating City? No, just City winning the, winning the cup, winning the FA Cup. Man City okay. are for me eighty percent chance of winning it. And I think the rest between between Chelsea and Manchester United, I think they're t- we're talking probably a sort of fifty to sixty percent each of them to win it. Uh, I, I think it's Man City needs to lose. Um, Chelsea on their day can beat Man City as they've shown, um, but uh, and also Manchester United can as well and can beat Chelsea. I mean that that, that that's a bit of a lottery. Those ones it really depends on the day, yeah. but I think for Manchester City, it's really theirs to lose. And, and that, that will be interesting because winning the League Cup, you know, people go, oh, winning the League Cup, it's only the League Cup. And that wouldn't be enough to appease Manchester City as a club, Pep Guardiola, his players, absolutely not. Winning the FA Cup, I, would, I mean, listen, I, 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 I say that, I'm, I'm talking through the eyes, I, I can imagine what it'd be like at Manchester City. For anyone else, it'd be a great accomplishment, even for... For you know, for for Liverpool to win the FA Cup would have been a, a great a great thing to, to win as well. Would it have satisfying enough? No, but it would have been a great accomplishment for City. I still think winning the League Cup, FA Cup, it's a good season. It's a, they've had a good season. Very disappointed the way that it's panned out from the in the league, but they've also got the Champions League and mm. genuinely a chance to win the Champions League. I honestly believe they they have a great chance of winning it. So if they were to win three cups. The Champions League, FA Cup, and League Cup. That is a fantastic season. I don't care what anyone says. That is a fantastic season. Um, Absolutely. And particularly winning the Champions League, you know, that that would be incredible. For Mm -hmm. for Chelsea, Chelsea want to win everything they're playing, right? So I'm I'm almost certain they're going to be out of the Champions League. Three nil away, three nil home loss to 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 Bayern. Listen. Could change. Bayern, Bayern wouldn't have played a game until, what is it, they're talking about 6th or 7th of August, so over a month that Bayern would have last played a game, Chelsea are going to be still playing games. So there is a slight advantage for Chelsea, but a 3-0 advantage for Bayern, I don't think, I think is too great advantage for, 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 for Chelsea to, to turn around. Mm-hmm. But for Chelsea to win the FA Cup, I think it would turn out to be a very, very good season for them because I'm pretty sure they're going to finish in the Champions League now. That win against Manchester City is going to give them so much more confidence. And I actually think it's a really good season for them. Even if they don't win, even if they don't win the FA Cup, I still think Chelsea, under the restrictions that they've had, um, you know, not being able to buy players, bringing all these young players through, Frank Lampard's first major big job, I think he, if they finish in the top, top four places, which, again, I'll say, I think they will, then he's had, I think, a fantastic season. Mark, we saw news coming out of Australia this morning, our time, so obviously uh, Monday evening in Australia, that uh, Robbie Fowler is set to leave Brisbane Raw. I mean, I, I, how have you summed up his experience in a way? Not, not so much as a, a manager in terms of dissecting the games, because I'm not uh, totally across how much of the A-League you've watched, but... What, was it a surprise in the first place that he went there? And, and what do you think his lasting taste of Australian football will be? Will he come back to England feeling he got what he wanted out of it, do you think? Or will he go, oh, it doesn't really matter, Tony. Tony yeah. It's only Australian football. Um, firstly, I was surprised that he went there in one way. 
But then I thought, you know what, knowing that the owners, knowing a little bit, just a little bit about the owners at Brisbane, it was more about the name. They signed a name, right. massive name. Yep. Um, and, and, and obviously, you know, he's a huge name in, in football. Um, he over, oversaw a rebuild, you know, and, and they didn't start particularly well in the league uh, this, this, this current season, but then found themselves in fourth position just before the pandemic and the break in the league. So to put him in charge, allow him to rebuild your club, and they're, you know, they've clearly been playing some decent football, and to be in the position that they're in, um, is, 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 a, is, a, is a good achievement. I mean, he had 22 games in charge, uh, 10 wins, 5 draws, and 7 losses, right? And that's a decent, that's a decent return, you know? And, and I think mm-hmm. you've got to, if you're going to go with it, you've got to give him a little bit of extra time, particularly bringing his own squad of players in, give him an opportunity to fulfill the season. For whatever reason, whether it's a financial uh, reason, whether that enables the owners to get out of their current deal because of the financial, or because of the, the current climate, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's disappointing to hear that um, that they they would they would go through that whole turnaround, the whole process of rebuilding. The guy found some rhythm, and then more recently, he was on uh, one of the programs in the UK saying that he believes that he and his assistant are by no means a a priority or even valued at the club because they hadn't even looked at mm. getting him back to the club, hadn't even looked at booking flights for them. So it clearly was a, a, a thought that the owners have had for some time that they were going to look to, to move him on. So whether that is something more internal, and I don't, who knows, but I, I, was, I was surprised. What do you think's next for him? You know, does he walk away from... So if you, if you compare... Um, so who am I? I'm just trying to think of a of a manager that sort of is trying to, to cut their teeth in a way. You know, going to Australia for him would be cutting his teeth. I would, you know, I would, I would say. Does he come back to England now with a well-rounded CV and go, okay, he's done some stuff here? Or is, what, what's his next step, do you think, in the search to become, you know, the best he can possibly be at managing? Well, well he's, certainly not got a, he's certainly not got a well-rounded CV. I mean, he's, 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 that's his first major appointment as a manager. He's in charge for 22 games, didn't get a chance to fulfil the season. So you can't say it's a well-rounded CV. What you can say is that he, he had a pretty decent start, you know, considering that he, he rebuilt his squad and they were fourth in the league. I mean, that, that's, you know, it's not bad. Um, he's, you know, I, I think you know, he's been linked with some clubs here in the year coming. Birmingham was, was the latest one he's been linked with as manager. Whether or not that is legitimate or not, we'll have to wait and see. Um, he clearly wants to go into management. He clearly wants to be involved in the game. Will he end up back at Liverpool? You know, maybe the under-18s for, for the short term. He may well. You never know. On 23s, you, ne- you never know. Um, but I think the fact that he's had that taste of managing at that level uh, or, or a first team in charge as, as the head manager or head coach, you would probably think he would like to go and get another job somewhere. But as we all know, they're few and far between. They're tough for, for, for guys to find. Mm. Mark, uh, uh, based off of last week, remember that this is your your responsibility now is to do the the famous line, which is uh, that's all the time we've got left for. Because we know that I can't say the line properly. So, yep. would you like to just do that for me? Yeah, well, we've run out of time, haven't we, uh, Ollie? So I think we better finish it up here and let's talk about the wine. And I'd like to firstly hear your thoughts and how would you compare your bottle of wine this week? That was uh, that was sensational. We've run out of time. I'm just going to drop that down just so I remember that for next week. I'll get there one day, Mark. Oh, I really will. But no, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed my 
Crianza 2016. It's a little bit special for me. I've actually taken it off. We bought a, a new um, wine rack for the wall and it's, uh, it needed some love. So we've got the, the mother's milk, which is yours. So I'm just, that's holding a spot there. But I've nicked the bottle off that. Uh, and one thing in particular here, so it says, uh, talking about these grapes, it's got a bouquet reminiscent of an autumn fruit. It's pleasingly spicy finish with notes of vanilla deriving of its aging process in French oak barrels. And of course, this is Spanish wine. So reminiscent of a French barrel for me in Spain with a spicy finish. Can you guess who I'm thinking of? Because there is a person in mind, current player, but he's reminiscent of greater days, uh, of, a, of an older French, you know, mould, but in Spain. No, mate, it's too big a choice. Go on. It, Kareem Benzema. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah. Is that... That's, that's yeah. That's normally, good. yeah. I think yeah. that's pretty good. With a spicy finish too, keep in mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. For now. For now. What's that mean? Halfway through the week. Give yeah, me a call. This, this week I'll give it to you. No problems. Okay, so, thanks, So mate. for me, um, interestingly, uh, it, because of the, uh, it's a medium high layer uh, of ruby rim red cherry. So, you know, it's pretty um, spicy. Um, yeah. It's mature forest fruit with notes of vanilla and licorice. In the mouth, it is round, structured, and persistent. What does, it, what does it mean by round? And then what do you mean by persistent? Well, it, I think it's long lasting. Right. Um, uh, in the mouth, it's round. Uh, it's kind of like a full bodied. Right. It's, okay. It's, it's got real substance to it. So taking that in consideration, you know, the player that I'm talking about is that um, he's, a, he's becoming, he's going from medium to high level of performances in reference to the medium to high layer. He, um, I think he's, he's maturing. He's definitely right. maturing. Uh, he's, he's very structured and he's becoming very big, bigly, you know, greatly structured. Um, and he's very persistent and, uh, he's becoming a really, really good player. And he's none other than Adama Traore, who we've been talking about. Thought, yeah. You, you I like that? it. Yeah. You thought that? I thought that. I thought that when you said he's becoming, and then you kind of did the the body, yes, the strong the strong body, yes. I like it. Do you think he's structured? Well, you reckon that he did, did, didn't? You either you said this or he said this. I kind of, oh, I read it, but no, he doesn't go he in the gym. Wait, yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's not true. I don't yeah. buy that for a I, I, I saw him. I saw him at Middlesbrough, and he was big, but he's bigger now. He's massive. There's no for me. There's no way in the world he hasn't gone to the gym. 